0: chapter thirteen of ardath by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain a poet's palace gliding along with that graceful almost phantom-like swiftness of movement that was so much a part of his manner saluma escorted his visitor to the further end of the great hall there throwing aside a curtain of rich azure silk which partially draped two large folding-doors he ushered him into a magnificent apartment opening out upon the terrace and garden beyond a garden filled with such a marvellous profusion of foliage and flowers that looking at it from between the glistening marble columns surrounding the palace it seemed as though the very sky above rested edgewise on towering pyramids of red and white bloom awnings of pale blue stretched from the windows across the entire width of the spacious outer colonnade and here two small boys half nude and black as polished ebony were huddled together on the mosaic pavement watching the arrogant deportment of a superb peacock that strutted majestically to and fro with boastfully spreading tail and glittering crest as brilliant as the gleam of the hot sun on the silver fringe of the azure canopies up lazy rascals cried saluma imperiously as with the extreme point of his sandaled foot he touched the dimpled shiny back of the nearest boy up and away fetch rose-water and sweet perfumes hither by the gods ye have let the incense and yonder burner smoulder and he pointed to a massive brazen vessel Gorgeously ornamented, from whence rose but the very faintest blue whiff of fragrant smoke. Off with ye both, ye basking blackamoors, bring fresh frankincense and palm leaves wherewith to stir this heated air, hence and back again, like a lightning flash, or out of my sight for ever. While he spoke, the little fellows stood trembling and ducking their woolly heads as though they half expected to be seized by their irate master and flung like black balls out into the wilderness of flowers but glancing timidly up and perceiving that even in the midst of his petulance he smiled they took courage and as soon as he had ceased they darted off with the swiftness of flying arrows each striving to outstrip the other in a race across the terrace and garden saluma laughed as he watched them disappear and then stepping back into the interior of the apartment he turned to theos and bade him be seated theo sank unresistingly into a low velvet cushioned chair richly carved and inlaid with ivory and stretching his limbs indolently therein surveyed with new and ever-growing admiration the supple elegant figure of his host who throwing himself full length on a couch covered with leopard skins folded his arms behind his head and eyed his guest with a complacent smile of vanity and self-approval tis not an altogether unfitting retreat for a poet's musings he said assuming an air of indifference as he glanced round his luxurious almost royally appointed room i have heard of worse but truly it needs the highest art of all known nations to worthily deck a habitation wherein the divine muse may daily dwell nevertheless air light and flowers are not lacking and on these methinks i could subsist were i deprived of all other things theo sat silent looking about him wistfully was ever poet king or even emperor housed more sumptuously than this he thought as his eyes wandered to the domed ceiling wreathed with carved clusters of grapes and pomegranates the walls frescoed with glowing scenes of love and song tournament the groups of superb statuary that gleamed whitely out of dusky velvet draped corners the quaintly-shaped bookcases overflowing with books and made so as to revolve round and round at a touch or move to and fro on noiseless wheels the grand busts both in bronze and marble that stood on tall pedestals or projecting bracket and while he dimly noted all these splendid evidences of unlimited wealth and luxury the perfume and lustre of the place the glitter of gold and azure silver and scarlet the oriental languor pervading the very air and above all the rich amber and azure tinted light that bathed every object in a dreamlike and fairy radiance plunged his senses into a delicious confusion a throbbing fever of delight to which he could give no name but which permeated every fibre of his being he felt half blinded with the brilliancy of the scene the dazzling glow of colour the sheen of deep and delicate hues cunningly intermixed and contrasted the gorgeous lavishness of waving blossoms that seemed to surge up like a sea to the very windows and though many thoughts flitted hazily through his brain he could not shape them into utterance he stared vaguely at the floor it was paved with variegated mosaic and strewn with the soft dark furry skins of wild animals at a little distance from where he sat there was a huge bronze lectern supported by a sculptured griffin with horns horns which curving over at the top turned upward again in the form of a candelabra the harp-bearer had brought in the harp and it now stood in a conspicuous position decked with myrtle some of the garlands woven by the maidens being no doubt used for this purpose yet there was something mirage-like and fantastic in the splendour that everywhere surrounded him he felt as though he were one of the spectators in a vast auditorium where the curtain had just risen on the first scene of the play he was dubiously considering in his own perplexed mind whether such princely living were the privilege or right or custom of poets in general when saluma spoke again waving his hand toward one of the busts near him a massive frowning head magnificently sculptured there is the glorious orazel he said the father as we all must own of the art of poesy and indeed of all true literature yet there be some who swear he never lived at all ay though his poems have come down to us and many are the arguments i have had with so-called wise men like sebastes concerning his style and method of versification everything he has written bears the impress of the same master touch nevertheless garrulous controversialists hold that his famous work the ruva Galama, descended by oral tradition from mouth to mouth till it came to us in its improved present condition improved and saluma laughed disdainfully as if the mumbling of an epic poem from grandsire to grandson could possibly improve it it would rather be deteriorated if not altogether changed into the merest doggerel nay nay the ruva kalama is the achievement of one great mind not twenty orazels were born in succession to write it there was there could be only one and he by rights supreme is chief of the bard's immortal as well might fools hereafter wrangle together and say there were many salumas only i have taken good heed posterity shall know there was only one unmatched for love impassioned singing throughout the length and breadth of the world he sprang it from his recumbent posture and attracted theos's attention to another bust even finer than the last it was placed on a pedestal wreathed at the summit and at the base with laurel the divine hesperus he exclaimed pointing to it in a sort of ecstasy the master from whom it may be i have caught the perfect entrancement of my own verse melody his fame as thou knowest is unrivalled and universal Yet canst thou believe it there has been of late an ass found in Alcyrus who hath chosen him as a subject for his braying and other asses join in the uneuphonious chorus the marvellous plays of Hesperus the grandest tragedies the airiest comedies the tenderest fantasies ever created by human brain have been called in question by these thistle-eating animals and one most untractable mule-head hath made pretence to discover therein a passage of secret writing which shall so the fool thinks prove that hesperos was not the author of his own works but only a literary cheat and forger of another and lesser man's inspiration by the gods one's sides would split with laughter at the silly brute were he not altogether too contemptible to provoke even derision hesperos a traitor to the art he served and glorified hesperos a literary juggler and trickster by the serpent's head they may as well seek to prove that the fiery sun in heaven a common oil-lamp as strived to lessen by one iota the transcendent glory of the noblest poet the centuries have ever seen warmed by enthusiasm with his eyes flashing and the impetuous words coursing from his lips his head thrown back his hand uplifted saluna looked magnificent and theos to whose misty brain the names of orazel and his sparrows, carried no positively distinct meaning was nevertheless struck by a certain suggestiveness in his remarks that seemed to bear on some discussion in the literary world that had taken place quite recently he was puzzled and tried to fix the precise point round which his thoughts strayed so hesitatingly but he could arrive at no definite conclusion the brilliant meteor like saluma meantime flashed hither and thither about the room selecting certain volumes from his loaded bookstands and bringing them in a pile he set them on a small table by his visitor's side there are some of the earliest editions of the plays of Hisperos. he went on talking in that rapid fluent way of his that was as musical as a bird's song they are rare and curious see you the names of the scribes and the dates of issue are all distinct ah the treasures of poetry enshrined within these pages was ever papyrus so gemmed with pearls of thought and wisdom if there were a next world my friend and here he placed his hand familiarly on his guest's shoulder while the bright steel-grey undergleam sparkled in his splendid eyes twould be worth dwelling in for the sake of his sparrows as grand a god as any of the thunderers in the empyrean surely there is a next world murmured theo scarcely knowing what he said a world where thou and i saluma and all the masters and servants of song shall meet and hold high festival saluma laughed again a little sadly this time and shrugged his shoulders believe it not he said and there was a touch of melancholy in his rich voice we are midges in a sunbeam emmets on a sandhill no more is there a next world thinkest thou for the bees who die of surfeit and the nilica cups for the whirling drift of brilliant butterflies that sleepily float with the wind unknowing whither till met by the icy blast of the north they fall like broken and colourless leaves in the dust of the high road is there a next world for this and he took from a tall vase near at hand a delicate flower lily-shaped and deliciously odorous. the expression of its solar mind is in its fragrance even as the expression of ours finds vent in thought and aspiration have we more right to live again than this most innocently fair blossom unsmirched by deeds of evil nay i would more easily believe in a heaven for birds and flowers than for women and men a shadow of pain darkened his handsome face as he spoke and theos gazing full at him became suddenly filled with pity and anxiety he passionately longed to assure him that there was in very truth a future higher and happier existence he theos would vouch for the fact but how and why what could he say what could he prove his throat ached his eyeballs burned he was as it were forbidden to speak notwithstanding the yearning desire he felt to impart to the soul of his new-found friend something of that indescribable sense of everlastingness which he himself was now conscious of even as one set free of prison is conscious of liberty mute and with a feeling as of hot unshed tears welling up from his very heart he turned over the volumes of his spiros almost mechanically they were formed of sheets of papyrus artistically bound in loose leather coverings and tied together with gold-coloured ribbon the kerasian language was as it has been before stated perfectly familiar to him though he could not tell how he had acquired the knowledge of it and he was able to see at a glance that saluma had good cause to be enthusiastic in his praise of the author whose genius he so fervently admired there was a ringing richness in the rush of the verse a wealth of simile combined with a simplicity and directness of utterance that charmed the ear while influencing the mind and he was beginning to read in sotto voce the opening lines of a spirited battle challenge running thus i tell thee o thou pride enthroned king that from these peaceful fields these harvest lands strange crops shall spring not sown by thee or thine armed millions bristling weapons helmed men dreadfully plumed and eager for the fray steel crested myrmidons tossed spears wild steeds uplifted flags and pennons horrid swords death gleaming eyes stern hands to grasp and tear life from beseeching life till all the heavens strike havoc to the terror trembling stars when the two small black pages lately dispatched in such haste by saluma returned each one bearing a huge gilded bowl filled with rose water together with fine cloths lace fringed and soft as satin kneeling humbly down one before theos the other before saluma they lifted these great shining bowls on their heads and remained motionless saluma dipped his face and hands in the cool fragrant fluid theos followed his example and when these light ablutions were completed the pages disappeared coming back almost immediately with baskets of loose rose-leaves white and red which they scattered profusely about the room a delightful odour subtly sweet and yet not faint began to freshen the already perfumed air and saluma flinging himself again on his couch motioned theos to take a similar resting-place opposite he at once obeyed yielding anew to the sense of indolent luxury and voluptuous ease his surroundings engendered and presently the aroma of rising incense mingled itself with the scent of the strewn rose petals the pages had replenished the incense-burner and now these duties done so far they brought each a broad long stalked palm-leaf and placing themselves in proper position began to fan the two young men slowly and with measured gentleness standing as mute as little black statues the only movement about them being the occasional rolling of the white eyeballs and the swaying to and fro of their shiny arms as they wielded the graceful bending leaves. This is the way a poet should ever live, murmured Theos, glancing up from the soft cushions among which he reclined to Saloma, who lay with his eyes half closed and a musing smile on his beautiful mouth, self centered in a circle of beauty, with naught but fair suggestions and sweet thoughts to break the charm of solitude a kingdom of happy fancies should be his with gates shut last against unwelcome intruders gates that should never open save to the conquering touch of a woman's kiss for the master key of love must unlock all doors even the doors of a minstrel's dreaming thinkest thou so said saluma lazily turning his dark delicate head slightly round on his glistening pale rose satin pillow nay of a truth there are times when i could bar out women from my thoughts as mere disturbers of the translucent element of poesy in which my spirit bathes there is fatigue in love whose pretty human butterflies too oft weary the flowers whose honey they seek to drain nevertheless the passion of love hath a certain tingling pleasure in it i yield to it when it touches me even as i yield to all other pleasant things but there are some who unwisely carry desire too far and make of love a misery instead of a pastime many will die for love fools are they all to die for fame for glory that i can understand but for love he laughed and taking up a crushed rose-petal he flipped it into the air with his finger and thumb i would as soon die for sake of that perished leaf as for sake of a woman's transient beauty as he uttered these words nephrata entered carrying a golden salver on which were placed a tall flagon two goblets and a basket of fruit she approached theo's first and he raising himself on his elbow surveyed her with fresh admiration and interest while he poured out the wine from the flagon into one of those glistening cups which he noticed were rough with the quantity of small gems used in their outer ornamentation he was struck by her fair and melancholy style of loveliness and as she stood before him with lowered eyes the colour alternately flushing and paling on her cheeks and her bosom heaving restlessly beneath the loosely drawn folds of her Prim rose hued gown an inexplicable emotion of pity smote him as if he had suddenly been made aware of some inward sorrow of hers which he was utterly powerless to console he would have spoken but just then could find nothing appropriate to say and when he had selected a fine peach from the heaped-up dainties offered for his choice he still watched her as she turned to saluma who smiled and bade her set down her salver on a low bronze stand at his side she did so and then with the warm blood burning in her cheeks, stood waiting and silent saluma with a lithe movement of his supple form lifted himself into a half-sitting posture and throwing one arm round her waist drew her close to his breast and kissed her my fairest moonbeam he said gaily thou art as noiseless and placid as thy yet unembodied sisters that stream through heaven and dance on the river when the world is sleeping myrtle and he detached a spray from the bosom of her dress what hast thou to do with the poet's garland by my faith thou art like theos yonder and hast chosen to wear a sprig of my faded crown for thine adornment is it not so a hot and painful blush crimsoned nephrodous face a softness as of suppressed tears glistened in her eyes she made no answer but looked beseechingly at the little twig saluma held silly child he went on laughingly replacing it himself against her bosom where the breath seemed to struggle with such panting haste and fear thou art welcome to the dead leaves sanctified by song if thou thinkest them of value but i would rather see the rosebud of love nestled in that pretty white breast of thine than the cast-off ornaments of fame and filling himself a cup of wine he raised it aloft looking at theo smilingly as he did so to your health my noble friend he cried and to the joys of the passing hour a wise toast answered theos placing his lips to his own goblet's rim for the past is past will never return the future we know not and only the present can be called our own to the health of the divine saluma whose fame is my glory whose friendship is dear to me as life and with this he drained off the wine to the last drop scarcely had he done so when the most curious sensation overcame him a sensation of bewildering ecstasy as though he had drunk of some ambrosian nectar or magic drug which had suddenly wound up his nerves to an acute tension of indescribable delight the blood coursed more swiftly through his veins he felt his face flush with the impulsive heat and ardour of the moment he laughed as he set the cup down empty and throwing himself back on his luxurious couch his eyes flashed on saluma's with a bright comprehensive glance of complete confidence and affection it was strange to note how quickly saluma returned that glance how thoroughly, in so short a space of time, their friendship had cemented itself into a more than fraternal bond of union, Nefrada meanwhile stood a little aside, her wistful looks wandering from one to the other as though in something of doubt or wonder. Presently she spoke, inclining her fair head toward Saluma, my lord goes to the palace to-night to make his valued voice heard in the presence of the king. She inquired timidly, even so, Nefrada responded the laureate passing his hand carelessly through his clustering curls i have been summoned thither by the royal command but what of that little one thou knowest tis a common occurrence and that the court is bereft of all pleasure and sweetness when saluma is silent my lord's guest goes with him pursued nephrata gently ay most assuredly and saluma smiled at theos as he spoke thou wilt accompany me to the king my friend he went on he will give thee a welcome for my sake and though of a truth his majesty is most potently ignorant of all things save the arts of love and warfare nevertheless he is a man as well as monarch and thou wilt find him noble in his greeting and generous of hospitality i will go with thee saluma anywhere replied theos quickly for in following such a guide i follow my own most perfect pleasure nephrada looked at him meditatively with a melancholy expression in her lovely eyes my lord saluma's presence indeed brings joy she said softly and tremulously but the joy is too sweet and brief for when he departs none can fill the place he leaves vacant she paused saluma's gaze rested on her intently a half-amused half-tender light leaping from under the drooping shade of his long silky black lashes she caught the look and a little shiver ran through her delicate frame she pressed one hand on her heart and resumed in steadier and more even tones my lord has perhaps not heard of the disturbances of the early morning in this city she asked the riotous crowd in the market-place the ravings of the prophet kos rule the sudden arrest and imprisonment of many and the consequent wrath of the king no by my faith returned saluma yawning slightly and settling his head more comfortably on his pillows nor do i care to heed the turbulence of a mob that cannot guide itself and yet resists all guidance arrests imprisonments they are common but why in the name of the sacred veil do they not arrest and imprison the actual disturbers of the peace the mystics and the philosophers whose street orations filter through the mind of the disaffected rousing them to foolish frenzy and disordered action why above all men do they not seize Kos rule a veritable madman for all his many years and seeming wisdom have they not denounced the faith of negaya and foretold the destruction of the city times out of number and are we not all weary to death of his bombastic mouthing if the king deemed a poet's counsel worth the taking he would long ago have shut this bearded ranter within the four walls of a dungeon where only rats and spiders would attend his lectures on approaching doom. nay but my lord nephrata ventured to say timidly the king dare not lay hands on khosrul dare not laughed saluma lazily stretching out his hand and helping himself to a luscious nectarine from the basket at his side sweet nephrata settest thou a limit to the power of the king as well draw a boundary line for the imagination of the poet cos rule may be loved and feared by a certain number of superstitious malcontents who look upon a madman as a sort of sacred wild animal but the actual population of Kiris, the people who are the blood-bone and sinew of the city these are not in favour of change either in religion laws manners or customs but cos rule is old and that the king humours his vagaries as simply out of pity for his age and infirmity nephrata not because of fear our monarch knows no fear kosrul prophesies terrible things murmured the girl hesitatingly i have often thought if they should come true thou timid dove." and saluma rising from his couch kissed her neck lightly and thus causing a delicate flush of crimson to ripple through the whiteness of her skin think no more of such folly thou wilt anger me that a doting greybeard like Kosrule should trouble the peace of Alcaris the magnificent by the gods, the whole thing is absurd. Let me hear no more of mobs or riots or road rhetoric. My soul abhors even the suggestion of discord, tranquility, divine is calm, disturbed only by the flutterings of winged thoughts hovering over the cloudless heaven of fancy. This this alone is the sum and centre of my desires, and to day I find that even thou, Nephrata, here his voice took upon itself an injured tone thou who art usually so gentle hast somewhat troubled the placidity of my mind by thy foolish talk concerning common and unpleasant circumstances he stopped short in a line of vexation and annoyance made its appearance between his broad beautiful brows while Nefrata, seeing this expression of almost baby petulance in the face she adored threw herself suddenly at his feet and raising her lovely eyes swimming in tears she exclaimed my lord saluma singing angel of Nefrada's soul forgive me it is true thou shouldst never hear of strife or contention among the coarser tribe of men and i i poor Nefrada, would give my life to shield thee from the faintest shadow of annoy i would have thy path all woven sunbeams thou shouldst live like a fairy monarch embowered mid roses sheltered from rough winds and folded in loving arms fairer maybe but not more fond than mine her voice broke stooping she kissed the silver fastening of his sandal and springing up rushed from the room before a word could be uttered to bid her stay saluma looked after her with a pretty half-pleased perplexity she is often thus he said in a tone of playful resignation as i told thee theos women are butterflies hovering hither and thither on uneasy pinions uncertain of their own desires Defrauda is a woman riddle sometimes she angers me sometimes she soothes now she prattles of things that concern me not and anon converses with such high and lofty earnestness of speech that i listen amazed and wonder where she hath gathered up her store of seeming wisdom love teaches her all she knows interrupted theos quickly and with a meaning glance saluma laughed languidly a faint colour warming the clear olive pallor of his complexion ay poor tender little soul she loves me he said carelessly that is no secret but then all women love me I am more like to die of a surfeit of love than of anything else he moved towards the open window come he added it is the hour of sunset there is a green hillock in my garden yonder from whence we can behold the pomp and panoply of the golden god's departure tis a sight i never miss i would have thee share its glory with me but art thou then indifferent to woman's tenderness asked theos half banteringly as he took his arm dost thou love no one my friend replied saluma seriously i love myself i see naught that contents me more than my own personality and with all my heart i admire the miracle and beauty of my own existence there is nothing even in the completest fairness of womanhood that satisfies me so much as the contemplation of my own genius realizing as i do its wondrous power and perfect charm the life of a poet such as i am is a perpetual marvel the whole universe ministers to my needs humanity becomes the merest bound slave to the caprice of my imperial imagination with a thought i scale the stars with a wish i float in highest ether among spheres undiscovered yet familiar to my fancy i converse with the spirits of flowers and fountains and the love of women is a mere drop in the deep ocean of my unfathomed delight yes i adore my own identity and of a truth self-worship is the only creed the world has ever followed faithfully to the end he glanced up with a bright assured smile theos met his gaze wonderingly doubtfully but made no reply and together they paced slowly across the marble terrace and out into the glorious garden rich with the riotous roses that clamoured and clustered everywhere their hues deepening to flame-like vividness in the burning radiance of the sinking sun End of chapter 13